Amen. At this time, we're going to let our children be dismissed for a time of children's church. And Miss Cindy is going to take the children and seems to have a lively bunch today, so. That's good. They're going to have a good time, and we're going to have a good time as we open God's Word together. Um, we're about halfway there. And this is uncharted territory for me because this is the longest sermon series I've ever done in 20-plus years of preaching, but it, it's been fun. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed um, going through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, words of our Lord that, that we really need to, to take to heart. And, and as we've been going through week after week, hearing what Jesus says to us and, and um, trying to apply that in, into our lives, it's really been a blessing. And I think we've all, I hope, I hope you have, I know I've learned a lot during this time, but we're halfway, we're, we're at, at week seven of a 14-week series on the Sermon on the Mount. And this week, we are beginning chapter 6. The Sermon on the Mount goes from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7. We're starting chapter 6 today. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8, and then we're going to skip over to verses 16 through 18. And I know what you're thinking. There's something pretty important there between those, but we're going to do that next week. So you got to come back. So, and bring a friend. So, um, but today it's Matthew 6, 1 through 8, and Matthew 16 through 18. Anybody, and I'm probably not talking to the ladies as much as I am the guys here. So ladies, indulge us for a second. Guys, have any of us ever been guilty of showing off? <laughs> even, even when we... Even when we didn't have any business showing off, and and usually, we just go. We're in church, so we're just going to be honest today. You usually, there's probably a, a young lady involved when we were doing some of these things that we didn't have any business doing. I know at least in my case, there there's several times. I hear my wife laughing back there. I don't know, I, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> But, but that's okay, but, you know, and I'm sure, ladies, sometimes y'all might do it too, but it, it seems to be something that, for some reason, we have to try to draw attention to ourselves, even when we don't need to. But, you know, sometimes that, that trickles into the church as well. So, sometimes we have Christians that, that um, what they do for the Lord, they want to make sure everybody else sees it too. And sometimes, and, and we've probably all been guilty of this at one time or another, and sometimes it becomes more about me than it becomes about him. And Jesus warned against this. And that's what when he, where he begins in chapter 6. He says, and we're going to read our, our passage, chapter 6, 1 through 8, and then 16 through 18. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. When therefore you give alms, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues in the streets, that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. 
But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your alms may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. And when you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. Father God, we ask that you bless the reading of your word. We ask that you bless this time that we have together today. We ask, Father, that you speak in these moments. That this is not my message. These are not my words. These are your words. And Father, I just ask that we hear your voice today. And that we see you. And that we will respond in obedience to what you say to us. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So what Jesus is saying, he's starting out, in all that we do, we should seek to please God and not men. Back to verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 23, 5, he says, But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and they lengthen the tassels of their garments. And he was talking about some of the religious leaders and some of the Pharisees who would wear these these elaborate outfits and they wanted you to see them and they wanted you to know that they were important and, and, and to pay attention to them, kind of like the, the peacock or the peafowl, however you want to say that. And, and, you know, we all have, you know, been taught that, that the, the male peacock shows the big plumage to attract the female and that may be true, but he also shows it to just show how strong he is so that, that predators and enemies will see that, that he's strong. He can carry that big old tail around and they don't want to mess with him. Sometimes it's just we, we do things or we say things to draw attention to ourselves, and so people can see how good we are, how spiritual we are. And that's not our purpose here. Our purpose is not to elevate ourselves it's to elevate the name of Christ. But, but that human nature slips in sometimes and we, and, and we enjoy the applause. We enjoy the, the, um, the accolades. In John 12, 43, Jesus says, For they love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. But we need to understand that it's not man's approval we're seeking. And so in the rest of this passage, you're going to hear three times that Jesus refers to to the hypocrite, a word we've, we've heard all our lives. And Jesus says three times to not be like the hypocrites in three different areas that we're going to look at. But first, I want to look at that word, the Greek word, hypocrites. So we get, we'll get it right from the Greek. 
Now let me tell you what it means. It means an actor under an assumed character. To be a hypocrite is to not be real. To be an actor. You think about the actors we see on TV and the actors that we see in the movies. They're not real. John Wayne did not shoot all those people. Neither did Clint Eastwood. Tom Hanks did not spend all that time on an island with a volleyball. And he doesn't talk like this. Robert Pattinson's not a real vampire. Well, maybe. I don't know. Um, and Jason Momoa cannot breathe underwater. Okay, Aquaman, come on. Some of y'all got to know that. I'm trying to get the young people in here too. But they're actors. They're playing a role. It's not real. And Jesus is saying, don't be like the actors. Don't be like the people who pretend to be something they're not. They act like they're spiritual. They act like they're holy. But they're just playing a role. It's not real. And he tells us this in three different areas. As Christians, we should not be showing off. Because it's not a show. It's not about me. If, if, if I'm up here drawing people to myself, they, they're going to come up empty when they put their faith in me. Because there's not a whole lot <laughs> to put your faith in. We need to be leading people to put their faith in him. And there's three areas that Jesus tells us that we need to be careful. And the first is our giving. First is our giving. Therefore, when you give alms, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. We should be giving for the right reasons. Paul tells us in Romans 12, 8, when he talks about several of the spiritual gifts and how to use them, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerful, cheerfulness. In our giving, we need to be generous. It needs to be from our heart. Paul says again in, in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or over compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If we're just giving because we feel like we have to, then what's the point of that? Our gifts, whatever it is, whether it's our money, whether it's our time, whether it's our talents, need to be from the right place, need to be from the heart, need to be because we love God and we want to honor Him by what we're doing and by what we're giving. And when we do that, then it's not a begrudgingly writing that check every month or, or putting that money in the offering plate. It's doing it from our heart and at the same time, it doesn't matter who else knows. Nobody needs to know. Because we should give with the right attitude, which is knowing that that is between us and God. He says in verse 3, but when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Now that's one of those sayings. You read, as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, we see a lot of sayings that we say in everyday life. And that this is where it came from. 
Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Now you say, well, that, that's almost impossible. Because if my right hand's doing something, my left hand's right there. He, he knows. But the point is, when we give, we don't hold up a big sign. I gave this amount today. We don't stand back there at the offering plate. And back then, they used to use coins instead of paper money, and they would clang it in the offering plate really loud so everybody knew that they gave a lot. Don't do that. If you bring a bag of quarters, don't just don't be loud. Just put it down. But the whole point is that it's nobody's business what you give. Nobody's business. It's, it's nobody's business what, what I give. I don't even want to know what you give because that's between you and the Lord and that's what he's saying do it from the right heart Proverbs nineteen seventeen says he who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his good deed when we give to others whether we give to the church whether we give to people who are in need whether we help our friends and our family members we're doing it to the Lord remember Jesus said when you do this to the least of these you do it to me and when we give from our heart we're giving to the Lord, and the Lord's going to bless us. We don't need the approval of man. We don't need people to give us a parade because we gave money to somebody. All we need to do is go about our business. In Acts 5, we have the story of Ananias and Sapphira who lied about what they gave. And it wasn't that God necessarily expected them to give everything that they had made from the sale of that land. It was the fact that when Peter said, is this everything from the sale of your land? They said, yes. Instead of saying, no, I, I gave some to, I'm giving some to the church and I kept some for my family. The fact that they lied about it cost them their lives. Because they wanted to appear like they had done more than they had done. Because they wanted the approval of man. Whereas then in contrast you have in Acts 10 31. The angel said Cornelius your prayer has been heard. Your alms have been remembered before God. Cornelius was a Gentile. But yet God saw him and, and how he went about his business quietly. Doing things because they were the right thing. Not because he was going to get any kind of approval for it. Jeremiah 17, 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Our giving should be from our hearts. It's not anybody's business, so there's no reason for us to flaunt it in front of everybody. God sees and will bless us in how we give. But then Jesus turns to another area. We shouldn't be showing off in the area of prayer. And when you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. We pray to God, not for man. And sometimes it's necessary to pray out loud. It's important that we pray corporately, that we pray as a church, that we pray together. He's not saying not to do that. He's not saying not to pray with each other and in front of each other and out loud. He's just saying when we do, our prayer is not for the people that are hearing. 
Our prayer is to the one we're praying to. And we're just all a part of that. We're praying together to him. It's not a way to show others how spiritual we are. 2 Kings 10, 16, we have the, the story of Jehu who called for someone to come up into his chariot and he said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. I want you to come ride with me so you can see just how spiritual I am, just how I'm doing all the things right. I want you to get a first-hand look at what a first-class follower of God looks like. That's what Jesus is saying don't do. Again, our relationship with the Lord is between us and the Lord. And our prayers, whether they're in public or whether they're in private, are communication between us and the Lord, not a way for somebody to say, oh boy, that boy sure can pray. He must be real spiritual. Or he just knows a lot of big words. We need to make sure when we pray corporately, we are talking to God just as we would privately because our communication should be with him and not each other. And while corporate prayer is good and necessary, it's also important that we're praying privately. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room. When you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will repay you. And Jesus set the example for this. Mark 1.35 says, In the early morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. As important as it is for us to be praying together here, it's more important that each and every one of us is praying every day by ourselves with God. That we individually are spending time communicating with our Heavenly Father. That we are talking to Him on a regular basis. And Jesus understood how important it was to communicate with His Father. And He would go away and He would pray. And the disciples would wonder, where, where is He? But He's going to prepare Himself for what was coming next. And when we go into our prayer closet, and it doesn't have to be a literal closet. It's wherever the spot you pray, you, you and God communicate, wherever that is, that's it. And when we go there and we spend that time praying with God, that needs to be a, a precious time. And, and you will find that it will re-energize you. It will fuel you for what's next. And, and it's just so important that we're doing that. And, uh, in Daniel 6.10, we, we have the example where Daniel had prayed every day and people knew about it. Now, he didn't do it so people would know about it. He did it because it was right and he wanted to communicate with God. And the people were jealous because the king liked Daniel. And so they, they tricked the king into making a decree that anyone caught praying to any other god would be thrown in the lion's den. And Daniel knew this. And when he knew the document was signed, he entered his house. Now his roof chamber had windows open toward Jerusalem. He continued kneeling on his knees 
three times a day praying and giving thanks before his God as he had previously been doing. We don't need to hide the fact that we pray. I think it's going to come out whether you don't have to tell anybody because I think if you have a strong prayer life, people are just going to be able to see a difference about you. They may not know what it is, but it's going to come out. You don't have to draw attention to it because there will be a difference. But we don't need to make a big deal of it either. And Daniel understood this, and he, he prayed on a regular basis, and that's what he continued to do, even though it could have cost him his life. But he trusted God to protect him no matter what, and he continued to pray. It's important that we spend time talking and listening to God every day in order to grow in our relationship with him and not to receive the praise of man. And we need to pray from our heart. When you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. We have an example of this in 1 Kings 18 when Elijah encountered the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And they're calling out and they're raving to their God, a false God, but they're just all day long ranting and raving and chanting. And it said, and it came about when midday was past that they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Doesn't matter how many words they said they weren't praying to the right God, nobody was hearing them. Nobody was going to answer them. And when we pray to God, we can't talk him into anything. Trying to say a whole lot of words over and over and over is not going to do anything. Just praying from our heart, just communicating. Sometimes we don't even know what to say. Sometimes we just need to be quiet. Sometimes we just need to just humble ourselves before him. Lord, you know. You know what's on my heart. You know what I need. And I don't know how to express it. So I'm not going to sit here and try to ramble on and on and on. I'm just going to rest in you and trust you to do what I need. Ecclesiastes 5.2 says, Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. I'm going to read that, part, that last part again. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. I know it's funny, a preacher telling you to let your words be few. Sometimes we just need to be quiet and listen. Sometimes we just need to soak up his presence and that communication is going to happen. Praying don't always require words. I think we forget that sometimes. I know I do. Because God already knows what we need. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Luke 12, 30, Jesus says, For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. He knows what you need. He still wants you to come to Him. He still wants you to bring it to Him. But he knows. He knows everything about us. 
Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Come with thankful hearts. Come with humble hearts. Knowing that we have a loving Heavenly Father who hears us and wants to meet us where we are. And then we just bring it to Him. And there's one other area that Jesus tells us we should not put on a show in. And that's the area of fasting. Now you say, but we don't really do a whole lot of fasting per se. And maybe not corporately. There, there's been times when, when we, and sometimes churches believe that God is calling them to fast for a particular reason. And, and they'll do that. And there's different ways of fasting, we, we mostly think about food, but sometimes it can be fasting from media. It can be, probably need to fast from some cell phones, to be honest with you. Um, and technology in general wouldn't be bad for a little while. We need more young people in here to hear that too. But, but, but they're not the only one. But, but what's the purpose of fasting? And I look back at some of the times in... Um, in the Bible, Ezra 8.21 says, And I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for us, our little ones, and our possessions. So they were fasting to, to seek safe travel from God. In Esther 4.16, as she was getting ready to go and talk to the king to try to save the Jews from Haman's plot, she told Mordecai, Go and assemble the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days or nights. Then my I and my maidens will fast in the same way, and thus I will go unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. She wanted to, to, to call a fast to make sure that she was hearing right from the Lord and that, and, and that he would protect her as she was going to do this because what she was doing was risky in going to the king. If she had not been summoned, she could be put to death. And, and so she wanted to make sure that her heart was right and she was prepared to do that. And in Acts 14, 23, it says, When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So as they were um, putting leadership in the church, they were praying and fasting so that they could hear from the Lord and so God could show them who needed to lead each congregation and each group. Fasting helps us focus on the Lord. It helps us to focus on the Lord and what we need Him to reveal to us. I know the times that I have fasted, it, you, you find that you get those distractions out of your life. You, if, you, if you're not eating for a certain amount of time, don't have to worry about what am I going to have for dinner. So that's something you're not thinking about. And you're able to focus more on the Word. You're able to focus more on prayer. Yes, you're hungry. But Jesus is saying that we're not to make a big deal out of that. We're not to walk around showing people how hungry we are. Oh, I'm fasting. I'm so hungry. I hadn't eaten in three days. He says, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward in full. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. Last night, we went camping. And if you know anything about me, it's not my favorite thing to do. 
And we got up early this morning. And you know, we could have just come straight from the campsite in our dirty, nasty clothes. And y'all are glad that we didn't. And I could have walked up here, my hair all messed up. Okay, be nice. <laughs> and, my, and, my fa- <laughs> and my face all unshaved. And just walking in here like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was just camping all night. And so y'all would just think I was this big rugged outdoorsman. Because I know that's what you see when you look at me. But I'm really not. Like I said, can't be lying in church. But we went home and we took a bath and we put on good clothes. And, and I'm not even acting like I'm tired. Okay, give me a minute. All right, no. Just kidding. But when we fast, when we do any kind of service for the Lord, the part that's uncomfortable to us needs to stay between us and God. Because it's not, again, the running theme, all all three parts of this, it's not anybody else's business. If God calls us to do it, He didn't call us to do it to show how spiritual we are, to show... I can go without food for 40 days. Look at me. It's not about that. He did it so he could communicate with us in a special way. And that's why we do it. And so he says, go clean up your clothes. Go take a bath. Go anoint your head. Don't make a show out of it. And whether that's, like I said, whether that's fasting or whether that's our service. Like I I do so much. I'm so tired for all the things I do to serve the Lord. Why you need to tell anybody that? God knows what you're doing. And God's going to bless you for it. Ecclesiastes 9.8 says, Let your clothes be white all the time. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Our relationship with God is just that. Our relationship with God it's no one else's business what we give when or how we pray or how often we fast or anything else we do in service to the Lord we're children not actors and we need to remember that the applause of men ends soon after the performance if our hearts are right in all these things we can be assured that God sees us And will bless us accordingly. So my question today. Is your relationship with God. Is the things you do. Out of your relationship with God. Coming from your heart. Or coming from a place of duty. Or a place of. I just need people to see me doing the right things. Or are we doing the right things. Because they're the right things. Are there areas in your life that, that you need to come back to the Lord, that maybe you've fallen off the path and you just need to come back and say, Lord, I need you to pick me up in this area and help me to walk the walk you have me on. Maybe there's something else in your life. Maybe somebody's here and you need to make Jesus Lord of your life. You need to surrender your life to him, confess your sins, repent and turn and follow him. Maybe you need prayer for something. This altar is open. I'm here to pray with you. I'll be more than happy to pray with anyone about anything. But if God's laid something in your heart, don't just sit there 
respond. And we can all, where we are, pray and ask God to help us keep our focus in every aspect of our walk with Him because it's about Him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Him. And it's about when I go out there in the community that people don't see me. They see Jesus. So we're going to revisit the song, part of the song that the choir sang. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. And as we sing this, if God's laid something on your heart, you respond as we stand, as we sing.